What's going on, fellas? Everything you need to know for the USFL Week 6, and I'm going to give you the big old schmacks right now. Let's start with the running backs in team order. In Birmingham, there is a concern here, and I was concerned about this last week so much so that I hopped off of CJ Maribel, which clearly ended up being a mistake as he goes for 23 attempts. He adds four receptions. He has 27 opportunities, the most of any running back on the week. But here was the thing. The reason I hop off of him is because Bo Scarborough, who was a legit dude, played for the Lions in the NFL, had success played at Alabama, had success. A legit dude was signed to the roster and then elevated to the active roster on the day of the game. You don't do that unless he's going to play. And then, oh yeah, the coach said, yeah, he's going to play. He ends up playing. He sees seven rushing attempts. He basically phases out Tony Brooks James. He does not yet, and I say yet, impact C.J. Maribel's workload. So I'm still going to be in on C.J. Maribel because he saw nearly 80% of the snaps last week, even though three running backs were used. Brooks James saw barely 10% of the snaps. It seems like he's being phased out, but it is something to watch. It's hard not to continue to like Mark Thompson. I also think he's going to come in lower owned this week because look, we've been saying it all season long. The first couple of weeks of the season, Mark Thompson was getting great usage and not scoring touchdowns and he was going somewhat lower owned. And then he scores the touchdowns and he's highly owned. Now he's not scoring touchdowns for a couple of straight weeks. He's still playing 75 plus percent of the snaps there's only two running backs being used between him and Dawkins out there and he's also running 60 plus percent of the routes last week so he is the main workhorse it just comes down to touchdowns I don't want to play him when he's highly owned because he depends on touchdowns but he is a good running back breaks off long runs and getting all the volume in an offense that is running the ball so yeah when he's coming in lower owned like this week relatively lower owned is what I will say DFS players in the USFL streets are starting to play three running backs at a pretty high clip which I think is fine I usually like to play two and then maybe pivot on Sunday to depending on who's the best available player off of a highly owned running back to a wide receiver, like maybe a Bailey Geither last week who was half as owned as some of the popular running backs. And if you're interested in seeing how high owned players are, their projections, a lineup optimizer, all that, you can check out Patreon down below and join the nearly 1,000 members that are in there as well, benefiting each and every week from those tools. In Michigan, it's just going to be nodes for me. I mean, Stevie Scott's not seeing any usage. Scarlett actually saw a decent amount of usage last week relative to the previous weeks, but it's still like 40% of the snaps and routes. It's nothing incredible out there. New Jersey is the most difficult backfield to pin down. It's appealing because they run the ball so damn much. 42 rushing attempts last week from New Jersey. By far the most in the USFL for any given week so far. They love running the ball. The problem is DeAndre Johnson finally got 100% of the snaps. So he sees 10 carries. He sees the red zone carries, right? The past weeks it's been Victor, Darius Victor getting all the red zone work, taking it away from Trey Williams. This week, DeAndre Johnson sees a lot of red zone carries. And the saving grace for Trey Williams has been that some of these weeks when they're trailing he's actually seeing some targets and he saw those targets this week three targets it ends up being 12 yards so he's getting an extra four points nearly a touchdown added to his overall upside so that keeps him in play but the problem is the overall ceiling of these players when you're gonna have a mobile quarterback now starting and playing 100% of the snaps like Johnson last week it takes away not only the touchdowns like it did last week for Victor but it takes away so many other things from the ceiling of these players it makes me just want to go elsewhere now the New Orleans backfield is something we have to talk about because here's the thing Jordan Ellis as I almost spilled a coffee as you can see there Jordan Ellis was a guy I was somewhat worried about last week when they activated Anthony Jones but I figured he's seeing 80 plus percent of the snaps each week maybe Jones cuts in there takes Larry Rose's role not really anything major to worry about and based on the touches you may think that this is more of a split backfield as Anthony Jones sees 40 percent of the carries he also adds a target as well to see 43 percent of the opportunities but the underlying usage is still very strong for Ellis Ellis played 75 percent of the snaps 
and ran 72% of the routes. So the goal is that this week, we possibly can start to see Jordan Ellis's ownership reduce because people think Anthony Jones is taking on a split backfield, even though he's just basically taking Larry Rose's role. Philadelphia is a backfield I'm just going to avoid this week. This is a backfield that all season long is not running the ball. So the running backs have to get there either through touchdowns or in the receiving game. And that's what Paul Terry did last week, but he got lucky. There's three running backs active, but Darnell Holland did not take a snap. I expect him to take a snap this upcoming week. Matt Colburn is playing more snaps. It was basically a 50-50 backfield last week. Only two rushing attempts for Terry. He had a 30-yard carry on the first drive of the game, and then he gets a little touchdown after that. But other than that, he was just used as a wide receiver out of the backfield, which is appealing. But that being said, if it's going to lead to four or five targets, short area targets, really no rushing work on the ground in a three-headed backfield where he's now going to lose snaps to Holland, the upside is not there compared to some of these other running backs on separate teams. And I do think Terry is going to push 25 to 30 plus percent ownership, even though he's in a three-headed backfield where he's probably going to see eight touches if there was a guy at the running back position that is going to be like 15 percent owned and has some upside to me it is Garrett Groshek I'm not dying to get here London saw 11 of the 18 carries on the ground last week so it looks like Groshek wasn't involved but Groshek played 70 percent of the snaps so it just happened to play out this way very similar to the Ellis situation we just talked about and Groshek ran the majority of the routes again this is one that you're probably not going to see a ton of upside Pittsburgh isn't getting in a lot of red zone or touchdown opportunities and lately they're throwing the ball a little bit more but he's seen nearly 70% of the snaps for the last three weeks and it's not going to be that highly owned. The only way that I'm interested in a running back in Tampa's backfield is if BJ Emmons misses again because you saw Juwan Washington score two touchdowns, kind of bailed this out, but that's what happens when you're playing 100% of the snaps like he did as a late ad last week. Hopefully you were in the Discord. It's free to join the Discord, linked down below, because this news broke pretty damn late and we had everybody in there getting up to speed. Let's attack the wide receiver position now where DraftKings is finally starting to price the wide receivers appropriately. Now up top, Victor Bolden is still somebody to me who I really all season long have not been dying to get to. He's been seeing great volume, sure, but none of it is downfield. So when he has these games like he did last week, where he still sees solid volume of eight targets, but it's nothing downfield. There's no air yards on it. He sees the most targets on the team and finishes third in receiving yards. He puts up a nice 10 fantasy point day, but that's kind of what he's doing these days. He's getting you seven to 10 fantasy points each time out. It's not going to break you, but it's probably not winning you the 10 or $20,000 in DraftKings. The wide receiver from Birmingham that I have the most interest in is Marlon Williams. He ran the most routes last week. He played more snaps than Victor Bolden last week, and oh yeah, he's seeing the downfield targets. Whether it's Alex Magoo or it's Jamar Smith, he has been seeing chemistry from both of those guys. He co-led with a 24% target share last week. I pivoted last week to Isaiah Zuber and Bailey Geithra on Sunday in my main lineup. I did the lineup review on Patreon and in the Discord, and it ended up working out for us. We kind of got a little bit lucky with Isaiah Zuber, but I'm still interested. Let me tell you why. So if you were in the Discord and paying attention, you knew that JoJo Ward and Tyler Simmons, two of the top four receivers on this team, were inactive, making it so that Isaiah Zuber, who was already seeing a massive target share week in and week out and a lot of routes run playing like 100% of the snaps he was going to be a solid option for us our biggest question was this team doesn't throw a lot but when they do they're pretty efficient because of how well they run it leads to nice passing so Thornton only throws 24 times he targets Isaiah Zuber 33% of the time Zuber goes for a a week high 138 air yards right he plays 95% of the snaps runs 96% of the routes per pro football focus and he has himself a really good game probably should have been better if Thorson just could have been accurate. He only has three receptions on eight targets. Thorson, the worst completion percentage of the season and the worst of the week amongst the quarterbacks, the worst for him on the season. He ends up going out there and throwing for, as you can see, 46% completions. So Zuber's my only interest here right now. I'd probably still prefer Marlon Williams over him for half the price that he's going to be. As we scroll down now to Michigan, it's basically Lance Lenore and Isaiah Zuber is like the same dude. Their quarterback situations aren't great. Finally, Shea Patterson was good last week. He throws for 300 plus yards. Lenore sees nine 
nine targets and has a good game from that. So Lance Lenore, I'm going to continue to like. I'm going to like him over in Isaiah Zuber. I think that offense, at least as we saw last week, is trending in the right direction. You had Lance Lenore seeing 33% more targets than anybody else on the team. And when you go up here, you finally see Shea Patterson with not just the best performance that he's had all season long since like the second half of week one, but one of the best performances we've seen from any single quarterback this entire year. And there's been, if you've watched in the USFL lately, it's been pretty good quarterback play. 62% completions. That's good even in the NFL. 8.2 yards per attempt. The NFL average is 7.2. Goes for 300 yards, right? If this can continue a little bit, if they can finally throw the ball, trust Shea Patterson. Yeah, Lance Lenore is going to start to look like the Jonathan Adams when week in and week out looking dominant because he's looked that good. In New Jersey, I'm just not interested in any of these dudes. I know Turpin went for a 100-yard game last week, and it was honestly on like the third most snaps on the team. It was actually Alonzo Moore who led the team in snaps and routes, and then Darius Shepard after that. I'm not interested in anybody here. They're running like five wide receivers. They have a mobile quarterback. They're not throwing the ball a ton. It's not that appealing. I'd rather go elsewhere, elsewhere being to New Orleans. New Orleans has two top wide receivers. Those guys' names are Johnny Dixon and Jonathan Adams. Last week, we saw a massive drop-off in Sean Poindexter, who had been running as the wide receiver two the last two or three weeks. He dropped down to the wide receiver four. This allowed Taiwan Taylor to play 80% of the snaps and operate as a wide receiver three. He went for over 100 yards, so he's a sneaky option this week, but he's still the third option on the team and arguably the fourth behind Sal Canella, arguably the fifth behind the running back who sees a lot of the touches in Jordan Ellis. So Jonathan Adams, Johnny Dixon, I played Adams last week. I was surprised to see him come in at relatively low ownership. The running backs continue to soak up all of the usage. Do not expect to see Adams continue to come in with low ownership, though. I expect as I do the ownership projections on Patreon tomorrow, I expect Adams to probably be a top two owned wide receiver. Johnny Dixon, though, led the team in targets last week. Still seeing most of the underneath routes, but it is leading to receptions. So PPR and DraftKings is good. And more so red zone receptions, as you can see the touchdown comes here. Last week was not good. Like these guys still got you there, right? They ended up still scoring double digit fantasy points each. Adams goes for another 15 point game. He's done that now in three out of five of his games. And if you take away week one when he's hurt, he's doing it 80% of the time. But this was Kyle Slaughter, by far his worst performance of the year. Slaughter came into this week as the number one quarterback in the USFL. He's probably still up there, but he goes for 4.3 yards per attempt, 45% completion percentage, basically tied with Clayton Thorson. He was very bad this week, and these guys still got there. So very bad, throws 36 times, as bad as it gets for Kyle Slaughter, and Jonathan Adams and Johnny Dixon still get there. Adams obviously gets there on a more efficient 60 yards compared to 29 yards on 13 targets, but the volume is there for both of them. Philadelphia continues to be a headache because they're throwing like 20% more than any other team in the league. That is very good for the wide receivers, and it should be good for the quarterback. The problem is, which one of these guys can you trust? I mean, I can narrow it down for you. Jordan Sewell, Devin Gray, and DeAndre Overton are the top three receivers in routes. They're all running around 80 plus percent of the routes, but here's the problem. There's two other wide receivers out there running 30 to 40 percent of the routes, and Chris Rowland and also Maurice Alexander. And then there's Bug Howard, who's basically running as a slot wide receiver out there, and he's playing nearly 90 percent of the snaps and routes. Jordan Sewell leads the team with nine targets last week. The week before that, he wasn't even playing, right? He wasn't even seeing any volume, right? It was Devin Gray, it was DeAndre Overton, and then those guys dropped down to three targets each. There is no set secure, as of right now, number one receiver on this team. The most consistent guy is Bug Howard, and even he scored just four fantasy points on one reception last week. So it's really difficult to stack this team. It's really difficult to pinpoint who is the dude, as basically all these dudes have seen a week. Week one was the Chris Rowland week, and then it was the Maurice Alexander week, and then it was the DeAndre Overton, and then the Gray week, and then the Swell. Every single one of these guys has seen a week. Heck, it's probably the Bug Howard week in week six. It makes me say that their top three receivers remain in play, but really only as pivot options for me. I can't go to e any of them as a first priority in my lineup, as I talk about in my lineup breakdowns. In Pittsburgh, it's starting to become really attractive. They're throwing the ball more. Bailey Geithner returned, and he's now had three massive games and three opportunities. So Vadley ends up taking over. He's like a 29-year-old quarterback at a James Madison or JMU. So he comes out here, and he 
doesn't play good at all. 5.3 yards per 10. He actually plays worse than Kyle Aletta. He just ends up leading the team in the Maulers to two field goal drives back to back. So it keeps him in the game. And look, this is the thing. This is how you know wide receivers are good. Trey Walker and Bailey Geither now have played with three to four different quarterbacks on this team, and they're still earning targets. That means these are good players. They are getting open. Walker, a team high 13 targets. He has 30 targets over the last two weeks. And then Bailey Geither goes for double digit targets yet again. It wasn't his college quarterback, Josh Love, throwing him the ball. He had success, though, also with Kyle Lalletta, and now he's having success here with Vad Lee, who I expect to start again. So these guys are in play. Very quietly, who he's done a couple times this year, Hardaway sees volume, but the problem is his volume is usually downfield as he's kind of a field stretcher. Only two catches, five yards. It's very boomer bust volume compared to the consistent upside of Geither, two touchdowns as well, and Trey Walker, 10 receptions last week. Second week in a row, he's gone for a number like that. So I'm very interested in both of these players. They're continuing to get peppered with targets and low A dot, so it's leading to receptions. We'll see who's lower owned heading into the week, and that's the guy that I'll be playing, but right now they're both strongly in play. No interest in any of the Tampa Bay guys. There's so many of them running out there. There's no good stable quarterback play. I know John Franklin ended up seeing like a 30% target share last week, but it was on no air yards. It's basically very short area targets. You're looking at a good game being like five catches for 40 yards. I just need more upside in my lineups. Now that we've discussed the running backs and the wide receivers, we can start to finish this up with the quarterbacks. Kyle Slaughter will remain in play. He is still the quarterback that is throwing the most in this league, and even on a really bad week last week, he still goes out there and puts up 150 plus yards and two touchdowns. That is not good, but getting nearly 15 points out of a quarterback still on a terrible, as bad as it gets weak, averaging four yards per attempt is something to at least hang your hat on. It's hard not to like Jamar Smith, who took his job right back last week. The problem is if there is concern between him and like a slaughter and some of these other guys we talk about, it is that if he plays poorly in the first half, Magoo might come right back in. They've been very quick to pull the leash on the bad quarterbacks in these games for Birmingham, but they have a tight wide receiver core. I'd probably stack them up with Marlon Williams if you're choosing someone. And then it kind of fills itself out the rest of it. Like Shea Patterson is in play because of what he did last week. If you think he can build off of that, but I don't feel the need to have to get somewhat risky. It was a really good performance. Case Cookus is still throwing 70 plus percent of the time. So out of all the players on Philadelphia, I just like Cookus the most. Don't like their backfield. We talked about it. Their wide receivers are so spread out. It's so hard. If you had to play a tight end, Buckhauer would be great, but you don't have to play a tight end. It takes up a flex spot. So Cookus himself looks good. The problem is who do you stack him with? And that starts to become an issue. I'd rather play DeAndre Johnson, who's averaging like 10 yards per attempt. The obvious mobile upside in eliteness. I mean, last week alone, seeing 15 points on the ground. He's done that a couple of times this year. Double digit points on the ground alone. And then they're not respecting his pass. They're pushing up because he's running the ball so much. So he's averaging 10 yards per clip in the air. So DeAndre Johnson would be the quarterback that I like the most there. I think that DeAndre Johnson will grade it as the top value because of his price. In terms of top projection, I'll be doing them later today. My guess is that DeAndre Johnson will be pushing if he's not the highest as a top two projected quarterback. For tight ends, it's a couple of names that you know. Sal Canella, right? He came into last week leading the USFL in receiving yards. He's still highly involved in the offense, running 90 plus percent of the routes. Bug Howard, we know him. He's running 90 plus percent of the routes in that spread out Philadelphia offense. And then Kerry Angeline returned last week, ran 92 percent of the routes for Birmingham. Don't sleep on Angeline. Only saw two targets, but the week before that was seeing massive volume from Jamar Smith. So this is a, a very big sleeper, like probably a, a five, maybe at most 10 percent. Don't think you even get there. Five percent on guy that has a chance to go for six catches, 40 yards and a touchdown. Those are your schmacks, you beautiful people. And be sure to sign up for Patreon if you are interested in having a better chance of winning, having ownership, a lineup optimizer, projections, discord, all that. You can check it out linked down below on patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri. I'll see you all in the next one. Hope you enjoy your weekend.